Welcome to Stonebridge. Here are some announcements and things to know. During this time of virtual and social distanced worship, it's important to continue contributing to the ongoing ministry of Stonebridge. Here are the ways in which you can give. You can give online through our website at stonebridgecme.com. Click on online giving. You can give through your bank's bill pay option, or you can send in your offering through the mail. If you'd like offering envelopes sent to you, please contact the church office. Looking ahead to Palm Sunday and Holy Week, our next outdoor worship service will be on Palm Sunday, March 28th at 10.30 a.m. On Friday, April 2nd, we will have a Good Friday outdoor worship service at 6 p.m. And then we will have two outdoor worship services on Easter Sunday, 8 and 9.30 a.m. Visit our website to register for these services. On Saturday, March 27th at 4 p.m., kick off spring break with a made-for-all-ages, fast-paced scavenger hunt. Drive around Simi Valley and complete challenges as a family, with a team of friends, or make it a date night. The event starts and ends socially distanced in the Stonebridge parking lot. Send Miss Stephanie an email to register. Every week during the Divine Appointments message series, Pastor John is taking a deeper dive into the sermon in a special podcast episode called Stonebridge Extras. Stonebridge Extras was created to help deepen your discipleship, deepen your understanding of the Bible, and your understanding of how to follow Jesus. Stonebridge Extras is published weekly within our new podcast. Lastly, we would love to know that you're participating in worship. Continue to share your news, prayers, and praises by emailing prayers at stonebridgecme.com. Or if you're following along in version, please take the time to fill out the e-connection card. You are an important part of Stonebridge's community of faith. Once again, welcome to worship. Hello, Stonebridge. This week, our scripture reading comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. Hear the word of the Lord. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. And after this, he said to him, Follow me. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. Hello, Stonebridge. I am Pastor John, one of the pastors here at Stonebridge Community Church. And we are continuing our sermon series entitled Divine Appointments, where we are looking at how Jesus interacts with different individuals in the Gospel of John, so that we can expect how Jesus will interact with us, and so we can learn how to interact with other people in our lives. And this week, we're focusing on Jesus and Peter, specifically focusing on the last scene between Jesus and Peter in the Gospel of John, which is also just the final scene in this Gospel. 
But as we turn to the scriptures, I invite you to join with me in prayer. Please pray with me. Lord, through reflecting on your scriptures, wherever we are, Lord, whenever we are viewing this and, and looking at the scripture, Lord, speak to us. Open us up to your word so we can understand your restoration, how it works in our lives, and so we can learn about how you value restoration, Lord. So speak to us now. It's in your name we pray. Amen. This scene is, in my opinion, one of the most beautiful scenes in all of Scripture. In this scene, it's just physically beautiful. Jesus and Peter are there on a beach. They have been reunited now. Jesus was dead. He went to the cross. He died. Then he was resurrected. The tomb was empty. And Peter was one of the first people to go and see that empty tomb. Now, a few days later, Peter and the other disciples, they were out in a boat fishing, not really knowing what to do in response to the news of Jesus' tomb being empty. And there on the beach, Jesus appeared to them. Now, Peter didn't recognize Jesus at first. But once he did recognize him, Peter jumped into the water. He swam. He ran. He did whatever he had to do to get close to Jesus again. They're reunited here. And it's just a beautiful setting in which they are reunited. Just physically, it is a beautiful setting. They're on a beach. It's the morning. They're eating breakfast. There is a charcoal fire there. They're eating fish. There's likely a sunrise taking place in, in the background here. You can just see the water there, feel the breeze coming off the water. It's a beautiful scene. But it's not just beautiful because of the physical setting. It's also beautiful because of what is happening between Jesus and Peter. Restoration is taking place between these two. Jesus is restoring Peter. He's restoring their relationship. He's restoring Peter to his place in Jesus' inner circle. Jesus is restoring their relationship. Now, Jesus and Peter, they have a pretty complicated relationship. Peter is one of the most devoted disciples to Jesus. I mean, Peter definitely cares about Jesus. He has an eagerness about him. He has a zeal, an earnestness. Peter cares about Jesus and is devoted to him. I mean, Peter is the first one to recognize that Jesus has the words of eternal life. So he understands what Jesus has to offer. But think back to the story of the washing of the disciples' feet. At the Last Supper, Jesus wants to wash his disciples' feet. He wants to adopt the role of a servant for them, to model for them servant leadership. And Peter is eager to engage with Jesus on this. He wants to elevate Jesus, though. He wants to lift Jesus up because he does care about Jesus. He doesn't want Jesus to humble himself. So what does Peter say? He says, no, Lord, you should never wash my feet. And then Jesus says, well, unless I wash your feet, you have no part of me. And what does Peter do? He goes the other extreme. And he says, well, then wash all of me, Lord, because I want to have a part of you. I want to be connected to you. He has this eagerness about him. He has this devotion to Jesus. Or think back also to the story in the garden. When the soldiers come to take Jesus away, Peter pulls out his sword and he wants to fight. He ends up cutting somebody's ear off. It's misguided, but it's from a desire to protect Jesus. It's from his devotion to Jesus. 
So Peter, he has this devotion to Jesus. And he's eager in that devotion. He's brash in that devotion. But on the other end of it, we have to also recognize that this relationship, it is complicated. Because while Peter has a devotion to Jesus, he doesn't actually follow Jesus that well. He doesn't just follow Jesus's words. Again, think of this story of Jesus wanting to wash his disciples' feet. Peter just won't let him do it. Jesus has to talk him into it. It's a negotiation. And it seems to be that way with Peter pretty regularly. Think about the story that I mentioned about Peter pulling out his sword and trying to fight for Jesus. That is the exact opposite of what Jesus wanted. That is not what Jesus' words would have led Peter to believe. Ultimately, Peter doesn't seem to understand that Jesus has to lay down his life. He doesn't seem to be able to accept that Jesus is going to have to lay down his life. In his eagerness, in his devotion, in his zeal, he wants to lift Jesus up to be something that Jesus hasn't come to earth to be. So Peter, he has this complicated relationship with Jesus. And in this moment on the beach, this beautiful scene in John chapter 21, their relationship is in need of being restored. Because Peter denied Jesus. It's one of the most famous things about Peter. He denied knowing Jesus. At Jesus' darkest hour, at Jesus' greatest time of need, when Jesus was taken by the soldiers, when he was being uh, tried on trial, when he was being tortured, essentially, he's being beaten. Peter is in a courtyard right outside where all that is taking place. He's asked three times if he knows Jesus, and Peter says no each time. He denied Jesus. It's a serious offense here. But now Jesus, being resurrected, he goes out of his way to restore his relationship with Peter. Again, it's quite beautiful when you think about it. At first glance, it may seem like, why is this even a concern of Jesus's? He's the resurrected Lord at this point. He has overcome death. Why does he go and restore his relationship with Peter? Think of the other things Jesus could have done. Think of the other ways in which Jesus could have brought about restoration. The people of Israel, they've had their land taken away from the Roman Empire. They, they can't be autonomous anymore. They can't make their own decisions. Rome is making their decisions for them. Why isn't Jesus restoring the land to Israel and pushing the Roman Empire out of there? He doesn't choose to do that. Instead, he chooses to restore his relationship with Peter. Or look at the temple. Jesus had tried to cleanse the temple. But there was corruption in the temple. People had turned the temple, the place where humans were supposed to meet God, they had turned it into a marketplace. Why doesn't Jesus go after being resurrected and completely restore the temple to its glory? For whatever reason, Jesus chooses not to do those things. To Jesus, to the resurrected Lord, this story of restoring his relationship with Peter is the most important. Now, whenever we read the Bible, we're reading the Bible to look at the way God acted in the past so that we can anticipate how God will act in the future. 
We're looking at it to connect with God, to learn about God's character so we can know how to see God at work in our lives and tell other peoples about that. So this story with Peter and Jesus and this restoration that takes place, it may not seem as important to us, but it is actually so incredibly important because it gives us an indication of God's heart, of God's character, and of what God cares about most. And God cares about restoration. However small it might seem, or however large it might be, God cares about restoration. And in this story with Peter, we can learn about what restoration looks like. What the restoration that comes about through Jesus, what it really looks like, we learn about it here in this story, as what our resurrected Lord does. From this story, we learn that when Jesus restores something, he doesn't just replace it. When Jesus restores something, he makes it better. I mean, think about this relationship with Peter. It was a complicated relationship where Peter had this devotion. He had this earnestness, but he was not obedient to Jesus' words. Look at Peter after this moment, after this restoration of their relationship. Go to the book of Acts and see what Peter becomes. He is one of the most obedient disciples of Jesus in the book of Acts. He follows the Holy Spirit wherever it may take him. And beforehand, Peter didn't seem to understand that Jesus was going to have to lay down in his life. In the book of Acts, after this restoration, Peter gets it. He's willing to endure being beaten. He's willing to endure going to jail. He's willing to risk his own life. And eventually, Peter does give his life himself for the gospel. When Jesus restores something, he doesn't just replace it. He makes it better. And that's what he did here with this relationship with Peter. Peter becomes that ideal disciple by the end of his life. He becomes the example. And it's because of Jesus' restoration. The other thing we learn about, about restoration and the way God does this, is that restoration, the type of restoration that comes from God, that comes from Jesus' work in our lives, it doesn't always happen in an instant. Jesus makes this a process with Peter. He makes it a conversation. He drags it out. Jesus could have easily just said, Peter, I know you denied me. You're forgiven. Let's move forward. But instead, Jesus makes this a scene. He drags this out. He asks Peter, do you love me? Three times he asks Peter that. The restoration that we see in our lives it doesn't always happen in an instant. For whatever reason, it can be a process. And the other thing that we learn through this interaction, we're told that Peter is hurt by this. That when Jesus asks him the question the third time, Peter is hurt by it. Sometimes restoration can be difficult. Restoration, it doesn't mean that everything's going to go perfectly fine for us now. There's a process going on. We don't understand it. We don't have the big picture. And sometimes that process of restoration will be difficult. We have to remember that God is working out a larger plan of restoration for all of creation. And that plan of restoration, what's at the center of it? It's the cross. Jesus' most difficult moment is at the center of God's plan of restoration. 
So it shouldn't surprise us that sometimes it's going to be difficult. Sometimes we're not going to understand what God is going is doing. But it doesn't mean that that restoration isn't taking place. In the midst of these difficulties, in the midst of the hardships of life, when we could think that restoration isn't happening, it's these small moments like this one between Peter and Jesus that can be so helpful for us because they give us glimpses of what it's going to look like. And those glimpses, they can give us a hope that in those areas of our lives that still remain unresolved, where there's still tension, God's going to restore even those. I mean, we've been coming up on the one-year anniversary here of this pandemic. And I have to say, it has been difficult. It has been difficult for nearly everybody. And many of you, I know, you have lost loved ones in the midst of this pandemic. But God is still at work restoring this world. It doesn't diminish that loss. It doesn't mean that that loss isn't real. But those losses, they don't replace the fact that God is restoring this world. And the way that we are reminded of that is by all of the small glimpses of restoration that we can see. The one here in this story with Peter, but reflecting on our own lives to see how did Jesus restore something in the past in my life. And reflecting now in the moment, what is Jesus restoring right now? What are the opportunities for restoration? Looking at those small little glimpses of restoration, that can be what drives our hope, what gives our hope shape. And it reminds us, each one of those moments, that God is at work. So we can place our faith in Jesus and move forward there. And it's important as well to remember that those small moments of restoration, oftentimes they lead to large moments of restoration. Or a bunch of small ones will add up to one big moment of restoration. Again, just look at Peter's life. It may seem like Jesus could have been doing other more important things. He could have been restoring other things, but he chose to restore his relationship with Peter. So then what happens with Peter? Peter goes and establishes the church. He becomes the first real leader of the church. He becomes the first great evangelist of the church. The news of hope and resurrection that we are talking about right now, reflecting on right now, it's because of Peter's work. Jesus knew that this moment of restoration on that beach, it was going to lead to great things. It was going to lead to infinite amounts of people now having hope understanding who God is, what God did in Jesus, that is because Jesus restored his relationship to Peter. So it may have seemed small on its own, but it led to all sorts of other moments of restoration. This moment of restoration, it may seem small, but we don't know what God is going to do with those moments. So this scene, it is a beautiful one. It's one of my favorite in all of scripture because it gives us that glimpse of God's restoration. It helps us to know that Jesus's forgiveness can lead to actual restoration in our life, can lead to us living lives differently than we did before. And in this moment right now, as we are very hopefully entering the end of this pandemic, as this last year 
the circumstances that were driving it, the virus that has been creating this, it looks as though we have an end in sight here. As we move forward in that, may we let moments like this one between Jesus and Peter be our lens that we view the world through. May we let moments like this one between Jesus and Peter be what shapes our understanding so that we spend our time seeing these moments of restoration as we watch God heal our world and as we watch different people reconnect and as we see the restoration around us, may we be looking for how God is at work in the midst of that. Because what this story tells us is that God works through restoration. That restoration is at the center of God's character, center of God's desires. And that ultimately, God will restore all of creation to its glory. So may this story between Jesus and Peter and this interaction, may it help us to see what Jesus is restoring in our lives. May it help us to see what Jesus is restoring throughout creation. And may we move forward in hope. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.
From wherever you've been, come brokenhearted, let rescue begin. Come find your mercy, oh sinner, come near. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. No, earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal.
No earth has no sorrow that heaven can heal. 